If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is where we're headed this morning as we continue through the Psalms this summer. And I'd like to say, if you don't have a Bible, um, open up to Psalm 37. Uh, You can grab a a Bible in the seat back or pull it up on your phone or whatever. Uh, I'd love to have it in front of us together this morning as we read through and consider it. I think that'll be helpful. Um, So as you're turning there, my very first job was working at a bookstore. Uh, I was working at a Christian bookstore, nonetheless, selling books and Bibles, uh, among other things, music and so on. Um, by then, I was already the, the, the nerd that I am today, still. And so working in a place like this was like a kid working at a candy shop. Um, I mean, you know, books and Bibles and, and all these things. My, my paycheck there was pretty much just circular. They paid me so that I could pay them to buy things, so they would then pay me, and just on and on it went. Um, that's, that's how that worked. But one of the things that I did often while I was there is having to go stock the shelves, right? Reshelve books, new books that came, uh, books that we were getting back, so on and so forth and put them back in the proper section of the store in alphabetical order by the author's name. Now here's a confession. Um, To this very day, when I have to alphabetize something, I find myself singing the ABCs. I just, I have to do it. I'd love to think that I'd moved beyond kindergarten, but I haven't. Um, If I'm going to get things in the right order, then I'm going to be singing A, B, C, D, E, F, D, right? And I'm just going to keep going. Um, and every time I had a new book that I needed to shelve, I started the song over to remember, you know, where I was. Um, so just imagine for a moment, you know, a, a teenage boy crouched over the shelf of like the Christian romance section, muttering under his breath the ABCs. That was me as a teenager, all right? Um, so uh, yes, thank you. Now, many of you, some of you raised your hands, may still turn to the ABCs in times of trouble uh, when you need to remember the order of things. And if it's not that song, it's probably something else, right? Every single one of us at some point learned a song that taught us something, um, that still lives deep in our hearts and we return to from time to time in order to remember things. You see, music alphabetizing, and simple repetition all aid us in memorization. They all aid us in remembering the things that we need to remember. And Psalm 37 contains all of these characteristics, every one of these aspects. As a psalm, it would have been sung or chanted. Uh, The form of this psalm is an alphabetic acrostic, which means that uh, each stanza begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet and goes through alphabetically in order. Um, And in fact, uh, every two verses just about start with the same letter uh, going on. So it's a pretty long psalm uh, because it goes through the whole Hebrew alphabet here. And as we'll see, this psalm tends to be pretty repetitive, right? There are some psalms that kind of work through a whole theme. Maybe they tell a story or something. This psalm, because it's working through the alphabet, kind of just says the same thing 
again and again in many different ways. And so it's all of these aspects show us that this psalm is intended to teach, to instruct, and most of all, to guide the people of God. Its form, alphabetical, and its repetition are meant to work a very simple and yet memorable message deep into the hearts of those who sing it. A message that becomes rooted so deep that it will persist like an anchor in the midst of anger, worry, doubt, despair, frustration, right? The chaos in the midst of the life that we lead as we just sang. Um, This psalm reminds us of that quiet center that we can return to again and again. So, do you have your Bible open in front of you? Uh, or on your phone, Psalm 37. Here's what I'd like to do. As I mentioned, it's a pretty long psalm, two verses just about for each of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. It's longer than I'm going to be able to preach through in any amount of detail. Um, That would be fun, but we'd be here for the rest of the day. And maybe a couple of you would be interested in that, but my guess is most of you want to go to lunch soon. So before you listen to me talk about the psalm, I want to invite us to simply listen deeply to the psalm ourselves. So very much like dwelling in the word, I'm going to read through this psalm, and I invite you to listen deeply for a word, a phrase, one of these recurring messages that that we have through this, And consider what it is that God may be saying to you today. What God may be saying to us today. After I finish reading the psalm, we'll have a chance to share with each other, just like we do in dwelling in the Word. Uh, And then we'll share a little bit together. And finally, I'll share a few more reflections on the psalm, and, and we'll go from there. Sound good? You guys ready? Let's listen to the Word of God. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. 
The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed. They will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. So turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree. But he soon passed away. And was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So I want to invite you to just take another moment of silence to look back over the psalm we've just read and ponder, what is it 
that God is speaking to you this morning? What is he speaking to us through this psalm? And in just a moment, I'll invite you to share with someone near you. Thank you guys for sharing and reflecting together there. Um, one of the things that, that uh, I was back there with um, the, the marshes, um, between, between two marshes, and uh, one of the, the things that stood out to them as we were, were there is um, the, the phrase, uh, let's see, which verse is it? Did I pass it here? Um, the, the phrase, better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, verse 16. Um, and, and so it's, it, one of the things that they shared was uh, it's, it's better to have very little than to have much that was gained by wickedness, um, right? That is one of the themes that we see throughout this psalm. So as I mentioned, we could explore this thing for for hours, for, for weeks, um, you know, walk through each line and, and reflect on it. And, and that would be a um, very enriching experience, I'm sure, and, and encouraging. But again, we'd, we'd be here for the rest of the day. So I'm just going to share two things with you, uh, two things that, that I, I notice and see throughout the psalm. The lines and the stanzas of this psalm essentially boil down to two basic kinds of statements, direction and description. Direction and description. Uh, there are directions that read like straightforward commands. Do this. Do not do this, right? And then there are descriptions throughout it of different kinds of people, the wicked and the righteous, the mighty and the meek, so on and so forth. And it describes them and the consequences that come to them. And, and those descriptive uh, verses in this psalm read almost like a chapter from the book of Proverbs, right? Filled with wisdom and, and description about things. So there's direction and description. And together, these two different statements offer us a description of what kind of world we're in, along with direction for what kind of people we're called to be. So what kind of world that we're in and what kind of people we're called to be. And these are things that are very easy to lose sight of, aren't they? In the hustle and bustle of every day, in the noise and the news, as was mentioned earlier, in the anchors and anxieties, we lose sight of where we are and who we are, right? So this psalm very simply seeks to remind us and reorient us. This is the world you live in, and this is who you are as God's children. So, just describe a little bit of each one of these. First, we've got the descriptions, right? What kind of world do we live in? What kind of world is this? A simple survey of the world around us could easily lead us to feel like the world is at best meaningless chaos or at worst unjust evil, right? Just looking around, it could be easy to come to one of those conclusions. 
It's just a bunch of chaos. It's just a bunch of injustice. Nothing makes sense. Does anything really matter? It often seems like things just happen without purpose, without consequence. Bad things happen to good people. Evil triumphs and and appears to succeed, right? And the psalm acknowledges this reality of the world that we live in. Uh, Verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. Verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy. Verse 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay. Verse 32, the wicked lie and wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. Verse 35, I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree. When we look around, we not only see evil occurring, we often see evil flourishing, right? And this can be discouraging, disheartening, and it makes us ask the question, what's the point? What's the point of all of this? Why should I have faith at all? What's the point in praying? Why this church stuff? I mean, if everything is just meaningless chaos, or if everything is really just unjust and evil, then what's the point? I imagine the psalmist felt these things as he looked around the world. Not much has changed in 4,000 years, right? I imagine the psalmist felt these things and pondered these very questions. But though the psalmist acknowledges these experiences of chaos and evil, the psalm does not stop there. The psalm is not content to merely diagnose the world by looking at the surface, but teaches us to look deeper, to look beyond the surface of chaos and to see a different kind of world. You see, we have to read the second half of each of the verses we read a moment ago. Verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. Verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to breaking down the poor and needy. But... Their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Verse 35, I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. See, the psalmist shows us how to look with eyes of faith, beyond chaos and evil, to see a world that truly is filled with faith and filled with hope. And not only will evil eventually come to an end, 
But the psalmist also tells us goodness will persist. Goodness will continue. Verse 9, those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, just a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Verse 17, the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Verse 37, consider the blameless, observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. There are so many images throughout this psalm uh, of, of earth and, and, and grass and growth and, and things. Even just the opening verses. Uh, verse 2, uh, the, the wicked are described like the grass. They will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. But then in verse 6, the righteous will shine like the dawn, like the noonday sun. You know, I love, uh, Dave mentioned as we began, uh, we're in the height of summertime. And there are many things that are flourishing and growing, uh, gardens and so on. But you know, I, I look at the grass in a lot of yards, and it's been a while since it rained. We've had a lot of sun, and it's pretty prickly, right? The grass withers. It dries up. That's what will come of wickedness. Meanwhile, our days are long and the sun is bright. That's what will come of the righteous. This is what the psalmist shows us. These are the images that he's pulling from. The psalmist insists that the world we live in is not ultimately one of evil and chaos, but rather a world of justice and hope. That's the world that we live in. Justice and hope are the things that endure. And though many things will be built with wickedness, the only things that will last will be those that are built with goodness. The psalm reminds us that in a world where things appear to be formless and void, God continues to speak let there be, and bring order and creation to the chaos. In a world that is filled with crosses and death, the psalm insists that God is one who makes empty graves and brings resurrection. This is the essence of the world that we live in. A world where the kingdom of God has come near and will ultimately be established. That's the world we live in. This is what the psalm shows us. And so we move from the descriptions of what kind of world this is to the direction of what kind of people we are called to be. Because it's only in a world of justice 
and hope that the directions given make any sense at all, right? Uh, Listen to some of the directions that we hear in this psalm. Do not fret. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Do not fret. Refrain from anger. A third time, do not fret. Hope in the Lord. Keep his way. If the world is ultimately chaos and evil, then none of these things make any sense at all. If the world is ultimately chaos and evil, there's every reason to fret and no reason to hope. If that's the world that we live in, then all of these instructions are just a guide to foolish naivete. But if the kingdom of God has come near, if the world is ultimately a place of justice and hope, well, then quite the opposite is true. If the world is one of of hope and justice, then all the fretting and worrying and anxiety and bitterness and anger are actually quite foolish, a waste of time. If God is a good father, if God is king over all, then we have nothing to worry about. Works of goodness are not meaningless, but actually are contributing to his kingdom that will endure for eternity. All we have to look forward to is joy, true joy, to the very depths of our being. So what kind of people should we be? Well, the psalm tells us, do not fret, do good, and delight in the Lord. Do not fret, do good, and delight in the Lord. In other words, be a people of peace. Be a people of goodness. Be a people of joy and delight. I think this is one of the greatest gifts that we have to offer the world around us. I really do. In a culture that is fueled by anxiety and outrage, right? I mean, this is the daily bread of our culture. Anxiety and outrage. In a culture that's fueled by that, we're a people of peace not outraged, not anxious, but at peace. And all what it is to have that one person of peace in the midst of a room of chaos. It's more powerful than you know. In a society that constantly uses and abuses and manipulates one another, that's just what, what relationships are in our culture, right? To get what you can out of the people that you're with, to manipulate each other for selfish gain. In the midst of that, we are a people who do goodness, right? Who serve, who are generous, 
who care for others. This is one of the most radical things in the early church. There was no other community that offered service in the first and second century. But this strange group of people that seemed to think that there was something about this guy named Jesus. And they were a force that radically transformed the world. This is who we are to be. A people who do good. Because goodness will last for eternity. In a world of constant darkness and despair, we are to be a people of light. A people of delight, of joy, of hope, who reflect the light of God's face and shine his smile into the darkness around us. Do not fret. Do good. Delight in the Lord. This is who we're called to be. Though the world appears formless and void, remember, the Spirit hovers over the face of the deep. And though evil persists, that same Spirit dwells in us bringing about the fruits of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, this is really what the psalm tells us. What kind of world do we live in? We live in a world of justice and hope. And what kind of people are we? We are a people of peace, goodness, and joy. This is what the psalm reminds us of. Because we so easily forget. We so easily lose sight of these things. What kind of world do we live in? We live in a world of justice and hope. What kind of people are we? We are a people of peace, goodness, and joy. These two things are at the heart of the good news of the kingdom of God and what it is to live in the kingdom of God. Jesus answered these questions this way. What kind of world do we live in? We live in a world where blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We live in a world where blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We live in a world where, this is straight from Psalm 37, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We live in a world where blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We live in a world where blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. A world where blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A world where blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. A world where blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kind of world that we live in, the kind of people that we are called to be. 
A people who, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. A people of peace, of joy, of goodness. So what kind of world do we live in? We live in a world of justice and hope. What kind of people are we? We are a people of peace, goodness, and joy. This way of life will not come through sheer force of willpower. As much as we say these words and are reminded of it, we cannot stir this up in ourselves. As the psalm concludes in its final verses, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So as we come to a close here, I want to spend some time in prayer, actively seeking to take refuge in God together for a few moments. And so I invite us to a posture of prayer, and we're going to pray a prayer of releasing, of receiving, and of blessing. A prayer of releasing, receiving, and blessing. I'll guide us through this. Um, There's some postures that I want to invite you into. We've done this before, so you may be familiar. Uh, But I want to invite you to hold your hands out before you with your palms down. And I want to guide us into praying and releasing things to God. Let us pray. Lord, we, along with the psalmist, see evil, injustice, and pain in the world around us. We have experienced our own betrayals, griefs, discouragements, anxiety, and overwhelm. But the psalm tells us, do not fret because of these things. And so with our hands held out before us, our palms down, we release these anxieties, and these worries to you. I invite you just where you are in a moment of silence to name before God whatever it is that you need to release to him. Lord, all of these things 
we entrust to you and release to your care. Now I invite you to turn your palms upward from that posture of release to a posture of reception and receiving. God, you invite us to be people of peace. You invite us to be people of goodness. You invite us to be people of joy. But we are unable to stir these things up in ourselves. And so we hold out empty hands and ask for you to fill them. We ask for you to give us the fruit of your Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all the abundance of you. We need you to move in our hearts, Lord. So I invite you with your palms outstretched to name before God those things that you need from God. Lord, your scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from you and that you are a good and generous father. And so we ask and receive from the abundance of your kingdom. Finally, I invite us into another posture of blessing. I want to invite you to take these hands that you've released and received with And turn to someone near you and just gently lay your hand on their shoulder if it's okay with them. You you might want to ask. Uh, I'm going to lead us in praying for one another. A prayer of blessing that we might be these people in this world. And so, Lord, we name the person next to us and we bless them in the name of Jesus. You alone know the things that cause them to fret, and you alone know the things that they need from you, and you alone are the one who is able to give. And so we pray for one another, and we bless one another, that we would be people of hope, of joy, of goodness, of peace in the world around us. Your spirit dwells within us, and we name that spirit in one another now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.